Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Would you say this aloud together with me? This is the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth, And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. And the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Doesn't that feel good to confess that? Whenever we get to this time of the year, I I think back to when Brenda and I lived in Ireland, and uh, we had the special privilege of finding this little... Uh, first of all, the whole island's full of ruins, right? The, the old castles and all that. But it's also full of old churches and old monasteries. And we went for a drive one day, and we went to a place called St. John's Point where, where there's this little, little, little tiny chapel. It's probably the oldest, one of the oldest ones on the island. It's from the 8th century. And uh, they had a little, you know, a little marker. It's like nobody pays any attention over there, but a little well that had wa- fresh water coming up and... Yes, I drank some of it and put it on my head. They said the water was for healing, and so we kind of put that on our head and stuff. But what got me that day was the history of church. This was God's idea. It wasn't man's idea. Church was God's idea. And I got to thinking about all the things of reaching both back and forward and standing there that day and looking at that and knowing that there were saints hundreds of years ago, over a thousand years ago, that were doing this, that were praising God and acknowledging and had him living in them. Isn't that incredible? So here's what I want you to do with me this morning. Just before we start the message, think of those of family members and people you know that have gone before, and also reach into the future, your children, your grandchildren, We're going to receive blessing and give blessing. So we do it by remembering and reaching forward. Lord, we remember. Remember those who went before us, family members who came from distant lands and came to this country, who knew you, were in you, and understood you. With all that heritage, we now look forward into the future. We bless our families, our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, and we thank you that you brought us into this land and that you're our God and you're our King. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. This morning, we're going to take a passage of Scripture and... uh, you know, it, it's, you know there's, a, there's, of course, a traditional theme at Easter 
about the resurrection and uh, there's many aspects of it. And I was thinking about all the different aspects we have of grace and of understanding and the journeys that we're on and uh, the stuff that I'm able to, that I believe that I know and understand today. I was talking with somebody about this yesterday. What a different man I am today than I was five years ago. 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And this life in God, I had the you know, privilege now of being a believer for uh, 40, almost, yeah, 43 years. And uh, you go, wow. And this is what I can tell you, for those of you who are new to faith or thinking about faith, what an incredible journey God has ahead of you. What an incredible life, and it's been unfolding. And I can honestly say, I know more about God and myself today than I did 43 years ago. And it's all been good. And what the scripture says about the path of the righteous growing brighter and brighter, I think that's what it's referring to. We get to understand more and more. Our hearts remain open, and God just keeps loving. He just keeps loving on us. So I want to look at the issue of life this morning and look at a passage of Scripture. Um, And we're going to read it slow together this morning, so you don't have to say it out loud, but you can follow up there with me. This is from Hebrews 7. I'm going to start in verse 22. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. Now, there have been many of those priests, and I'll explain that in a minute, since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day. First of his own sins, I'm reading a bit further than what you have, and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. Once for all when he offered himself. You look at this passage of scripture and you go, okay, what oath and what does an oath mean? We watch all kinds of fantasy movies today about oaths and you go back to the Renaissance period and kings making oaths and stuff. What oath is the writer of Hebrews talking about? It's an oath that's really interesting. Have you ever made a promise Have you ever swore a promise? Are you married? Even though, no, yeah. Well, when you get married, you swore a promise. It's, it's like a vow. An oath is a commitment. It's actually putting your life on the line saying, I, I, I swear to you. We're, we're so unfamiliar with it now because of the forms of government we have. But, uh, you know, prior to France and America coming into liberty and the ideas of democracy, democracy and those kind of things and how we live, um, the people of a land would swear an oath to a king. 
especially if you were one of the landowners, if you were privileged enough to own land, then you swore an oath to a king that what you had was actually his. And so that kind of gives you an idea of what an oath is. Well, what is the oath here that this writer's talking about? It's actually found a little bit um, further up in the verse, in verse 18. The writer of Hebrews is laying out an idea of what it means for Jesus to be resurrected and alive and how that has to be an important aspect and why it's so important in our life. He says to to his own son in this passage, so this is an interesting oath, he talks about that the former regulation, that's the old covenant uh, that the people of Israel is set aside because it was weak and useless for the law made nothing perfect and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. So this oath that the writer's talking about is an invitation. It's something special given to everybody who reads it and to everybody who entertains the idea of it, acknowledges the idea of it. And it's taking a comparison and saying, there were things that were promised before that were incomplete. They were lacking. They could not accomplish the very thing that they needed to accomplish. So God did an incredible thing. Instead of getting involved in swearing a promise, making an oath between God and man, he did something really interesting. The father made a promise to his son and swore an oath. Just the reverse of what we normally think of. You ever made promises to God in your life? If, if you do this, then I'll do that. Usually they're conditional, right? If you, uh, well, if God, if you'll, you know. Did you ever watch that old movie, Lady Hawk? Anybody remember that one? Yeah, okay, it's got a little no, novitiate priest that keeps getting in trouble. Every time he gets in trouble, every time something goes wrong, he makes a deal with God. God, if you get me out of this one, then I'm going to, you know, and he, he keeps doing that thing. He just keeps making a conditional promise and conditional promise. And he's never able to meet him. The next thing you know, he promises he'll never do that again. Does that sound familiar? And then pretty soon something happens again and he gets in trouble and he has to make another promise as he's drowning. If you get me out of this one, God. Well, this is a different kind of oath. This is, if you will, if you can just grab a hold of it this morning. This is a switch and it has to do with Jesus resurrected and living forever. With the power that God has in raising him out of the grave, what happened when he raised him out of the grave? And he comes and he arrives in heaven is God, the father, swears an oath to his son. He says, I will make you now, because you did this, a promise. You will be a priest forever because you live. How long will he live? How long will he be a priest? Why does that matter? That has to be the question when we read this. Why does that matter to us? Well, because it's permanent. 
And because of this, he's not like the priests that were on the earth who after they got doing and doing their service, they came back and lived life conditionally just like that little guy from Lady Hawk. And what they did, they did once a year in offering a sacrifice. But their lives eventually ran out and it ended. There's lots of things to look at with all of that. But when Jesus laid down his life and by the same power that the Father had, it's, it's an interesting thing because how could he do that if he was dead? I don't know, it's God. But he took up his own life. When he did, this oath is proclaimed from heaven. The reason it's so important is you have to understand this. In believing that Jesus was raised from the dead today, this is what this oath means. The oath isn't dependent on me. When I enter into a relationship with God, it's not dependent on my conditions. See, we we talk a lot about surrendering our lives to God. That's really good. (laughs) Amen. Surrender your life. You have to understand when you do that, an oath was sworn over that that's bigger than you. Yeah, thank God. Thank you. Bigger than what you can accomplish or can accomplish with your life. Bigger than how you live or how you don't live. It's huge. And we tend to not remember that, that that actually is the new covenant given to us. And the new covenant, is it about me? It's about me in the sense of I'm a recipient of it. But I actually don't enter into the covenant. I receive it. The covenant is between God the Father and his son. Saying, I did this. I accomplished this. We're going to look at what he accomplished. And I'm alive forever. And this will never go away. And he made a way for us to enter into that life. And for that life to enter into us. Now, Jesus lives forever. Where does he live? Well, he ascended to heaven. But something else happened. When he ascended to heaven, through that oath that was sworn, by that priesthood, he also lives in human beings. Now, if he's alive forever and he entered into your life, what does that mean? How'd you get so smart, Forrest? He made it easy, didn't he? He made the understanding of this easy. He not only lives there, he lives here. And the oath is, he is a priest then over who? Me. You mean I have my own personal priest? Oh, yeah. And it's good. 
And he's always there and he lives forever and he won't go away. He won't turn a deaf ear. He won't turn his back. He won't change. He's there. Now, keep going on the journey with me. How big is he? How strong is he? How powerful is he? This is, now, your, your brain has to start getting wrapped around this, and when you start doing that, you start going, oh, uh, oh my gosh. There's a, there's a famous poem by Gerard Manley Hopkins, and he, he was, oh, I knew that was going to happen. Now, if I'd been a prophet and told you it was going to happen, would it still matter if it happened? <laughs> Matrix. I stole it. When you think through these things and you start connecting the fact that God's here and there, if you can connect that by faith, and that God made him a priest forever and that he's alive forever and that he's doing the things in this passage of scripture that he says he is going to do, it's the game changer about your life. This isn't about you being religious. This isn't about you, though he invites us to do that, exercise our faith. You know, we use those terms. I'm not sure I always understand what they mean. I know I need lots of help with my believer. Do you, like, I believe and I need help with what I can believe and what I can look for and expect him for. And is he really that and more? because he doesn't die, and how powerful he is. The reason I bring this up this morning is we tend to celebrate Easter over the power of the resurrection, but then we live our lives throughout the year as though God's not powerful, as though God's not huge and bigger than every one of the obstacles I face in my life, including me being the obstacle that I face in my life. Father God made an oath to his son different than the old covenant oath, than what Israel had in the Old Testament and under that old covenant. What Jesus did on the cross to eradicate sin and fulfill the law actually was just a stage setting for the most radical thing of all. Everlasting, resurrected, life. When Jesus comes in, you become a being that has everlasting life. Well, Lloyd, my body hurts and like it. Nevertheless, what God spoke as a priest is true and you're going to live forever. Now. Now. This, uh, I know some of you think he's particularly handsome. I know some of you think he's particularly witty. Some of you know him as a very close friend and you just like want to hang out with him all the time. Some of you are married to him. Well, 
one of you is married to him. <laughs> you fortunate girl. But you see, this is going to go away. But Brenda will tell you this, because she knows this. This isn't the real me. This, is, this isn't the oath from the father to the son that says, Lloyd's going to live forever. Yes, this will decay, and this will go away, but I won't. If you're just wondering, yep, I'm going to see you in heaven. Yes, all those things, when I was talking about Ireland, all those people that have gone before, we're going to be together. And there is such a thing as everlasting life. And it's only because of this. The father swearing an oath to his son, you will be a priest forever, and this is what that priest does. Now we know this, it's permanent, right? Verse 25 tells us that. Sorry, verse 24 tells us that. But it's pointing to the next verse, verse 25. By the way, when it says permanent, it really means this. How many of you have gotten that, uh, uh, those warranties on your cars and stuff? Or warranties on the new microwave or the warranty? And you have to make sure that you read all that little, 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 little bitty print that they put down at number you know, four on the font. And if you're like me, you get your bifocals in and a magnifying glass and you're trying to read. There's no fine print here. It's permanent. What does permanent mean? Never change. Set for, if you will, actually for all eternity. Now, eternity and everlasting life are a little bit different. We won't go there this morning. But it's this. This won't change because permanent means permanent. It will not fail. It is an everlasting warranty that what he does will always occur. What is it that what he does? Look at verse 25. He is able to save how? What does that word say? Completely. What does completely mean? All of it. How wide? Wider than I can imagine. How high? Infinite. It goes on forever. He can save completely. How is it done? Because he's a priest forever. Because he lives, he can save completely. He is the perfection of our salvation and it's complete and only dependent on one thing and one thing alone. This is the only thing your salvation is dependent upon. He lives. He's alive forever. It's permanent and it won't go away, and your salvation is what? Permanent. It's, that's what complete, complete is just another way of saying permanent. 
why are you stressing this? Because so much about faith today is the worrying kind of faith that says, did I do enough? Did I get in? Does he grade on a percentage or a curve? Just let me know. Like, did I hit the bell? Did I get a, did I, I don't need an A. Let me know, did I just get a C? Oh, and if you were like me, one of those students, uh, well, that was back in earlier days, junior high and high school, and you got that D for algebra. And the only reason you didn't get a D is because you cheated on the test. And uh, you got your friend Joe who lived across the street to help you all week long, and then he'd slip you a couple of answers in algebra. You weren't like me? Oh, all of you wonderful left-brainers. Well, I struggled with math. Listen, there's no struggle with God's math. He saves completely. Salvation is because of him and his life, not you and your life. Well, I'll do whatever I want. You forgot how big he is. See, there's a, these, we get caught in these weird arguments. Well, if it doesn't matter how I live, then I can live however I want. He's alive in you. That which is permanent came in. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you really think he's going to leave you alone? And, can, you know, the funny thing about God is he knows he's God. He has no doubt. He knows who he is. And he knows that you are his. Amen. Now, for some, that can be scary. Yes, I, I agree. Times in our lives, that can be very scary. When we're hurting ourselves and hurting other people, and then you wonder where you're at with God, it won't change. He's permanent. It is fixed by an oath from God the Father to the Son, and you got it as a free gift. Did he give me a get-out-of-jail-free card? Is this Monopoly? Yes! Let's quit dispensing it. Yes! But why do you want to sit in jail? There's the bigger question asked. If this is him and this is really real, then the idea of living is to explore what that means. And that is huge. What do I know of him today that I didn't know 10 years ago? His character towards me never changes, even though I vacillate. God is kind, and he will always treat you with kindness. God is there even on my worst day. He won't turn his back. He won't give up. He won't stop. It's permanent. He won't leave me alone. Oh, thank God I didn't get left to myself. Of all the people I didn't trust, it was me I didn't trust the most. Are you like me? Well, I found one who I could trust more than anyone else because he didn't fail 
He can save completely. He's the warranty. He's the perfection. And our salvation is complete and only dependent on him. You can only receive it. You can't tear it up. You can't give it away. And he and he alone is the security and defense and the reason for our salvation. And it's complete. I'm as saved as I'm ever going to be. That's what that means. We, listen, we, don't, we tend not to really understand this. Right now, even in this, <clears throat> bear with me, even in this condition, e- even this rise and fall, and you know, I, I, there used to be this old hippie poster of this big yellow cat on a, on a, on a stool, some of you will remember it with a guitar, and says, sometimes I sits and thinks, and sometimes I just sits. Well, sometimes when I'm just sitting... And even my head won't work right anymore. God is there. Always. See, the forever thing isn't for something that's in heaven. The promise of forever is actually right here. Right here. He won't let go. He won't quit. He won't stop. He just keeps coming on. He won't leave you alone, ever. It's mind-boggling, isn't it? But see, don't, don't believe in a weak God. That's one of the difficulties today. So let's talk about us a little bit. You did something wrong the past 10 days. It was really sinful. Let's just call it what it is. It, it hurt somebody else and it hurt you. Is that big enough to remove God's promise? Think. Come on, go on the journey with me. How big is God? How powerful is God? How permanent is God? everlasting to everlasting and we're going to say something that I say or do has the ability to dismantle that and take it away you think too highly of yourself if God isn't bigger than your conditions that you put on him he's not really God and you just have an idol of the mind Do you know what you're saying? Yeah, he's bigger than Lloyd's thoughts about him. He's bigger than what I can teach you about him. He's bigger than what I can preach. He's bigger than what I can praise him for. Praise God. He's big. And by big, I mean, you know, you got to think through this. If what you could do or say could disrupt the guy who spoke all that billions and billions of Carl Sagan's stellar stuff, into being it's not, not bigger than us but this is what he does and this is the amazing part when you're at that down point that weak point he ever lives to do what make intercession what does that mean he stands in the gap for you How often? 
everlasting life. Uh, we're all a product of prayer. Guess who's praying? Now think of this. This same Jesus came in this, but now he's risen and he's there and he's here. If you can receive this right now, he's saying prayers over each one of us. Wrap your head around that one. Pretty soon, the nylon gears start spinning so fast, a little smoke comes out of your ear. Because that's, a, listen, that will take you to places. You, uh, sometime this week, when you just have a, a, a downtime, maybe it's two minutes and you're sick to death of looking at the computer anyway, and you just, you hit the screen go away button, and you just sit there for two minutes. Maybe it's tomorrow morning when you get up with a cup of coffee. Maybe it's later in the evening and, and you're sitting with your loved one, you're having a glass of wine, something, but everything just stops. Now, start thinking there then. Go there. He's alive right now. He's up there. And he's in here. And there's no distance and no delay between what is up there and what's in here. It's all connected and he's praying for you. And then we, then we live these lives trying to exclude him by our language. And we think we're big enough to do that. And guess what? You ain't big enough. God comes in and takes over. <laughs> Thank you, God. I wasn't doing very good with it anyway. <laughs> I don't know if you're like me. I had like a few, uh, some things I do better than others and control isn't a one that I do real well. I found that out though. We always seem to try again. Part of being in Christ is giving up the control. Saying it's you because you live forever. I don't have to control this. I don't have to make it go my way. I don't have to come out on top and I don't have to be underneath. I can be in you right now because you're in me right now. I can hear your prayers for me. Now here comes a big step. This is the nine gears. And I can agree with what your prayers are for me. Now you have to ask, what's he praying for me? I mean, you're going to make me think on Easter morning? Yep. So let's stop a minute. Because we're going to do this before we take communion. We're going to have some ushers come forward now at this time. They're going to pass elements to you as they, as they finish this portion of it up. Just hold the elements. But now think just for a minute. If it helps you to shut your eyes, you can shut your eyes or... Whatever you need to do, just be alone. And ask this. Hear my words and you ask it with me. Jesus, what are you praying for me right now?
How many of you feel like you know right now? You kind of got an idea of what he's praying. How many of you heard him singing over you? Anybody? Okay, that's me where I go. So as I was doing that, and I did it this morning too, I heard him singing a prayer over me. He was singing about how delightful I am to him. That's a prayer? Yeah. See, you are God's idea. You are God's creation. You guys can go ahead and just start distributing. Just hold, hold the elements as, as they pass them out. And you're not required to take communion, but anybody that's out there would like to take communion, please feel free to take communion with us. This is another thing I heard. This is for me, for Lloyd. I don't know how all of it applies. God sometimes likes to speak little mysteries to us. And I'm not sure what the this is, but this is what I heard as he was praying for me. And I think it's what he was saying for some of you. This is not too big for you. Now that's scary. Because things can be really big in our lives, can it? This is not too big for you. Wow, God would pray that for me? I think he would pray how much he loves you. I think he would pray that there's nothing that can wreck your life. I think that he would pray, you don't have to be afraid of anything. I think he would pray, don't worry so much about America. I'm in control. I think he would pray, you don't have to worry about your kids or your grandchildren. Everything's going to be okay. I'm in charge. I'm there today, forever. I won't go away. Because for each of us, how he prays, there's these four, they might be four of the most important words that you'll find in your Bible. this because he always lives it's not about moralism it's not about being good or keeping the law it's about engaging God where he lives how he lives as he lives so the writer of Hebrews says this a little later in chapter 10 He lays all this out about God's permanence, about his living forever. 
forever making intercession for you, never giving up on you, never leaving you alone. The writer says, therefore, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us. That means he made it happen with his own promises. He sealed it with himself, his own guarantee. Through the veil, that was his flesh. He died. That was all part of the promise. And having a high priest over the house of God, that's you and I, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Well, isn't our obedience dependent on this? Our obedience is dependent on the covenant that was between father and son and believing that. That's what our obedience is. My obedience is to the faith that I believe that Jesus is who he says he is and he does what he says he did. That's obedience. It's the biggest obedience step you'll ever make. That's why communion is so important. He made a covenant. From his earthly vantage point, he looked up and he said, "Uh, guys, we're going to take this now. We're going to have some wine and eat some bread. Oh, this is the blood in my covenant. This is between father and son. He said, from my earthly vantage point, this is what speaks it. And this speaks of forever. Won't ever go away. That's why it's so important to take it. It says we can enter it boldly without fear. That means if you were second guessing coming in here this morning, whether you, uh, what if they serve communion? It's Easter, it's like the high holy day, they'll do something like that. Well, come receive. He invites all, doesn't he? Come receive. Well, you got to make sure everything's cleaned up. Come receive. This will clean you. Do you understand that? Your sin's not too big. It's not in the way. Your behavior, your lifestyle, I don't care. Come and receive it. Come and go, oh yeah, I have just enough faith to believe that what you did is permanent and it's real and nothing can take it away. Do you have enough faith for that? Then pray with me over this this morning. Just hold that little piece of bread. Hold that little element. It signifies his body. Lord, this is a symbol of you. That the agreement you made with your father would that you would lay this down, you would lay your body down that I could live forever with you. Stunning. Immense. Beyond what I could think or ask. 
And so this morning, I take it again, remembering that you live forever. And I live forever because of you. So I can live this life so differently because of who you are. So I receive it again. I remind myself by taking it again that your promise is so true that just as the Father was in you and you were in the Father, you would be in me. So I receive you in your name. This cup, you said, was symbolic. It spoke of your blood, of a covenant of better promises, that you would be a priest forever, that you wouldn't give up and go away, and that this took care of the wrong. This blood washed it away. This blood was enough, and it would always be enough. This blood is symbolic of your love. It's enough. It's enough for me again today. It's enough to know that it makes me right with you. I'm, I'm going to be okay because of what you did. So I receive it in thankfulness and gratefulness. And I say, thank you, God, in Jesus' name.